Welcome to Grunge vs. All of Reality. Hello, hello, and welcome to the very first, the inaugural, you could say, episode of Grunge vs. All Reality. And, uh, you know, I was very nervous to make this podcast. Some people listening to this might know me from Twitch.tv, where I live stream. And I've been talking about making a podcast for probably, I don't know, five months, perhaps my entire streaming career, which has been like seven-ish months long. But I was really uh, I was really anxious to actually kind of put my voice on the microphone and record it. I, I'm a huge fan of podcasts in my own life. I listen a lot to uh, podcasts with interviews. Last podcast on the left is a fun one. The Joe Rogan Experience. And so I feel like my standard was sort of a little bit too high for myself. So I'm more or less just going to do my best here. For a while, I'm sure I'm going to be a little rusty, but if you wouldn't mind the rest, I think we can have quite a bit of fun diving into some topics I'm particularly interested in. So for those that don't know, I, uh, I'm a university student still to this day, although I'm finishing up my degree in philosophy with a minor in uh, leadership, almost a minor in anthropology, but that's another story for another day. But really, my passion is content creation. I mentioned earlier that I'm most active on Twitch, and I've found like a real home in live content, especially because the real-time community action really stimulates a part of my brain that is uh, quite key. I'm, I'm very much a social butterfly. I'm very much an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love talking in general, bit of a chatterbox. And Twitch really allows me to kind of get those extrovert vibes out in a meaningful way. I always felt like YouTube for me wasn't, wasn't real time enough and the whole video editing aspect always seemed daunting to me. So Twitch felt a little more at home. And so that's where I spend a lot of my time. But before that, I was mostly just a person that lingered around campus after classes and started conversations about whatever subject seemed to be interesting at the time. One thing I always loved about philosophy as a field, especially in school, is that philosophy students we're always big talkers as well. I know sometimes we would even linger after class for like hours at a time, just like nerding out over stuff that to most people would probably be uninteresting. But one thing I found when I started streaming was that a like surprising amount of people were actually interested in uh, the stuff that's discussed in philosophy, even if maybe they weren't actively students of philosophy or maybe they had never read it before. Hearing it was something that sort of I guess maybe interested them a little bit. And so I started thinking a lot about with the podcast, essentially doing my thoughts about philosophical texts I've read or been taught, but in a way that anyone can understand regardless of their experience in the field, sort of one of the primary downfalls that I've always seen with the, with the field of philosophy is that it's, often very dense, very hard to get through, especially when you sit down to read a text such as like a famous one, Hegel's Phenomenology of Spirit, which is an excellent bit of, uh, bit of continental philosophy, but it's also infamously difficult to read, even for people that are like well-studied in philosophy. But I think the stuff that it's contained within is useful for a lot of things. And I wanted to create a resource where it was a little bit entertaining, a little bit fun, you know, a little bit quirky, a little bit wacky, but also informative and also educational. And so in the future, we'll bring on guests and whatnot. But here in the beginning, while I'm sort of learning this new medium, it's mostly just going to be me rambling on. So I hope that I do a good enough job of entertaining your ears 
but I'm more than happy to receive your live feedback. Uh, email me, message me, come into Twitch chat, any of those things, and we can talk stuff. I love some constructive criticism. But anyways, we're going to get into the meat of it, the subject matter here. Today, I was thinking about talking about Satan, but I talk about Satan a lot. So instead today, I think I'm going to start off with a little bit of my story and how the earlier mentioned Hegelian dialectic factors in. So uh, bear with me and you'll see what I mean. So you may have heard me say this before, but through most of my uh, childhood and, and even to this day, I never really liked the school system. I never really liked any of the jobs I had either. I've worked in the restaurant industry. I worked as a mover for a while, as well as a few other sort of iffy jobs. I enjoyed a little bit of farm labor I did, but I've never really had anything that felt stimulating or purposeful to me. And if you're familiar with Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right at the top of the pyramid is self-actualization. Self-actualization was always something that I was chasing, but it was never something that I found. And it's incredibly important. It really is. And so just about seven months ago, I'd say, was the first time I ever really got a taste of this self-actualization. As much as I loved going to philosophy classes and discussing all kinds of random stuff afterwards with, like, the students, I still didn't really feel much of a purpose there. School felt to me like a little bit of a limbo, a purgatory, if you will, where I was sitting in the waiting room to live the rest of my life. But around seven months ago, I started up a Twitch stream and started going live, basically phone or not phoning it in. I was doing my best, but I didn't really know what I was doing at the time. And I wasn't doing, you know, a very good job in the beginning. But with anything, you know, you start you start where you start and you learn as you go along, you know. So I guess I guess is a little bit of a motivational thing. I would encourage anyone that's wants to do something but is like, oh, what if I'm not good enough? I would say don't worry about it. I would say just do it anyways and figure it out as you go along. But for me, I had like many ideas, many plans uh, of things I wanted to do. Around three years ago, I got really into the idea that I was going to be an entrepreneur and that I was going to be independent from the oppressive, or as I saw it, oppressive world of desk jobs, office jobs, stuff like that. I mean, I'm a bit of an idealist. I actually am about to uh, apply or about to interview for a desk job right after this podcast, but it's a, you know, it's a nice one. So I sort of changed my mind on that. I think that desk jobs can be totally fine. But I just had this, this idea in my mind that like I would never be fulfilled by any of the work I would be doing for other people because my experience up until, up until recently was that that work was unfulfilling. And I think in hindsight, perhaps there is a job out there that would suit me really well. And at the same time, sometimes you just got to tolerate the job you have. But like I said before, I'm a bit of an idealist. So I wanted to go down this entrepreneurial route. More for the freedom, not necessarily for the money. I'm not much of a money guy. But I, I made a few kind of, if I'm being honest, half-baked attempts at that. Uh, a couple years back, I tried to start up a fashion line. So I did actually intern for a designer. I learned some design, some merchandising, styling. And I still to this day really love street fashion. Uh, I just enjoy the aesthetic of it. I enjoy putting together outfits for myself. And it's sort of wearable art to me. And I'm, I'm a big fan of art, especially street art. Shortly after my brief stint in the fashion world, I ended up working for a local street artist who taught me a lot about spray painting and sort of the culture of that scene. And that's something I also still love, even though I don't work in it any longer. I actually did an installation at one point that I was pretty proud of. I mean, my, my style was very kind of rough around the edges. I guess you could say it was a little grungy, 
<laughs> but um ting but people liked it people liked what i had to offer and uh that was kind of the first time i sampled a little bit of that validation that oh i like i can create something and it will be well received even though it's like not necessarily what the broader sense of society or even the broader sense of the art world considers to be good or quality Shortly after that, I took some art classes at my university because I thought for sure this was my next path. But uh, those were quite frustrating to me as well. I guess I didn't really like the idea of being told to do art and like specific tasks and how to do them. You know, like in my drawing classes, my teacher was amazing, bless her. But I just really had a tough time wanting to sketch various different like still life images of like flower vases and stuff like that. And my other classes just felt, I don't know, kind of suffocating. I found that I really much more enjoyed learning by actually doing it out in the field with the artist I was working for named Nico. And even though I didn't have the classical training or the fundamentals, by watching Nico and learning from Nico here and there, I was able to pick up a lot of stuff um, with, that, with no real experience in the field whatsoever. And so that was pretty empowering to me. Between that and my time I spent doing a little bit of styling and the internship I secured through that, I started to feel like maybe I could do some of these things that I felt like I just wasn't ever able to. And my schooling growing up, uh, up until college, I just never really had the opportunity to pursue any creative, creative pursuits or even, I guess you could say, business courses. And I do like business. I'm a nerd for business in the sense that I like the potential freedom it offers an individual. I wouldn't necessarily say that I'm like a, an MBA type of guy. Like I mentioned earlier, I'm not that into money, but I do like the idea of being able to be my own boss. I mean, who doesn't? So I dug deep in that, read a lot of books, researched up, and tried to figure out how maybe at some point in the future, when I found something I cared about enough, I could make it into my business, make it into a brand, if you will. So I got a sample of it through learning styling and trying to do a clothing business type of thing, but that sort of failed. I just, my heart wasn't really in it. As much as I liked styling others and myself, I didn't really have the mind at the time or perhaps the mental toughness or fortitude or commitment necessary to execute the plans I had made. So that didn't end up working out super well, sort of just kind of abandoned it as a side project. But I will say I learned a lot from that failure, which is sort of what ties into this idea of a dialectic. I'll come back to that after I mention this next step here. But one thing that Twitch has done for me that was extremely powerful is Twitch represents one of the first times in my life where I ever started something that I wanted to succeed at and stuck to it for an extended period of time. Now, now seven months, which for me is really long. Everything else I've sort of picked up and put down, gave it the old college try, as they say. And even the things I was doing that, you know, maybe my family members celebrated me for or other people did, like going to university or graduating with you know this grade stuff like that just didn't feel important to me and never it never did at never at any point and I thought maybe I was like broken for a while I mean I was definitely depressed but I knew there was I knew that somehow like there was there was something to what I was thinking and I think really what that is and what I didn't really completely figure out until I started doing twitch is that creating and entertaining our our essential to me feeling okay. So I don't mind working, you know, I don't mind working really hard. I don't mind spending late nights doing tasks as long as it's something I care about. 
it's really hard for me to force myself to do schoolwork and assignments because bringing myself to care about those things is like potentially one of the hardest things to just get through my brain. It's like, it's like, I'm trying to think of a good, a good sort of metaphor here. Trying to drink uh, like a boba tea, except instead of bobas, they're just marbles, you know? Can you imagine how awful that would be? I was trying to think of a fresh one. So there's, there's a fresh new metaphor for you. But yeah, it was, it was awful. It was awful and I hated it. And I, even though I'm finishing the degree, I just kind of despise the whole process. But Twitch was a process that was very arduous, but I took joy in. And, and that sort of empowered me to continue creating. And now as I'm working my way down the path, I've gotten to talk to a lot more creative minds and individuals that will hopefully eventually be on the podcast. But I've sort of discovered that people can be quite powerful when they learn from their mistakes, when they work hard, and when they really set their mind to something. And so the thing I'd really like to talk about in the podcast today is the Hegelian dialectic, as I mentioned before, but not only how it applies to history, which is traditionally how it's used, but also how it applies to sort of a viewpoint on, on living your life. So the Hegelian dialectic, I have here uh, sort of a, a fancy, you know, uh, book learning definition. This is defined by the Collins Dictionary. The Hegelian dialectic is a noun, an interpretive method originally used to relate specific entities or events to the absolute idea in which some assertable proposition, a thesis, is necessarily opposed by an equally assertable and apparently contradictory proposition, an antithesis. The mutual contradiction being reconciled on a higher level of truth by a third proposition, which would be the synthesis. So that may not have made a ton of sense to a lot of people listening, but a way I've heard it described well is that, and, th and this I mentioned earlier is normally applied to the sort of progression of history, right? So during various periods of history, uh, we may have dark ages or brighter ages. It really depends on sort of which parts you're looking at. Inevitably, any, any chunk of time is going to have its faults and its virtues. So within the, the scope of the Hegelian dialectic, the idea is that perhaps you have a, a thesis, right, that the Middle Ages was an excellent time where agricultural techniques were developed and prospered. But sort of the contrary uh, uh, take on that would be that these, these agricultural techniques only prospered because of essentially, it wasn't slave labels, slave labor, sorry about that. Uh, it was serfdom, but it was quite similar. It was very inhumane, you know, unethical as, as many people would consider today, except maybe Ayn Rand, but I don't really care what she thinks. So... The synthesis between those would sort of be taking these two sides of the coin and saying that be, we learned things from this era. Things, things came out of this era that were positive. Things came out of this era that, was, that were negative. But ultimately, as that period ends and as we progress further in history, there are lessons learned from it and things gained from the experience of, of humanity in that time that lead to society progressing slightly further towards the ideal. And so Hegel, Hegel has been sort of referenced in a, in a way, subtweeted by philosophers, if you will, such as Marx. So Marx's idea that 
as the world progresses, capitalism will inevitably fail and descend into um, socialism. And then as the world progresses all towards socialism, it will result in eventually a communist utopia. And so, you know, whether or not you agree with that is totally, um, totally your take. But uh, the point is, Marx essentially sees capitalism in a way as as this horrible machine, but also a necessary step in the sense of like it, it since it's happened, it, it shows people the evils of it and allows them to understand like what they must do. Right. The, the workers revolution. And that's that's sort of how the dialectic progresses, right? So it's it's almost history learning from its failures and developing further, even though they may be small steps. And occasionally there are steps backward, you know, and sometimes there's steps forward. But but under the Hegelian belief, it's relatively optimistic that we are eventually moving towards a more positive future, however slowly that is. And so that wasn't like perhaps the most bestest's uh, description of the dialectic, but it is one that I think is relatively serviceable here. So I like this approach because I like to be as optimistic as I can. I can tend to get a bit negative, a bit too dark at times, so I have to kind of check myself. And realistically, I don't think the world is an evil place or a dark place. I think there are evil people. But I think most people basically want to do good by others. I, I really do believe this. I mean, part of that is, is me as an anarchist believing in the Rousseau theory of the social contract was essentially that man initially has goodwill towards other men and but then they are corrupted by the institutions of our society to be turned against each other. Things like this being potentially religion, potentially governments, that we are kind of tricked into hating each other, that we are given reasons to hate each other that we wouldn't have normally because there is various people vying for power. So since I believe this, you know, even though I have strong disagreements with many others, I also, I also don't really think they, they wish me ill. I also think that if we didn't have laws in a society, I don't, I'm not necessarily advocating that we don't have laws. I'm just saying, hypothetically speaking, if we didn't have laws, I don't think people would just go around murdering because, uh, because they could. I think with, especially with the case of murder, there's something very, um, the reason it's so appalling to us is because there's something very fundamentally inhuman about it. Almost most human beings, and there are, of course are rare exceptions, like, like individuals that suffer from psychopathy, but uh, most humans experience empathy. And I've heard very compelling arguments from an old philosophy teacher of mine that empathy as, as a fundamental human uh, experience, emotion, I'm not sure exactly what the right word for it would be, is sort of a almost physiological evidence of there being some sort of greater morality. I'm not sure if I 100% agree with that, but I do think that there's something to be said about empathy being a common thing we all share and us generally wanting to ease human suffering. So coming back to the murder bit, I just don't see... I can't see myself murdering someone, even if it was legal, you know? Maybe I'd get really mad at someone, but I just don't, I don't have that, that, that rage, that anger towards them even though maybe I want to punch him in the face, I wouldn't, I wouldn't kill him, you know? And I know not everyone is on that wave. Of course, people do murder, but I don't think most people would. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm a bit of an optimist towards humanity. I'm a bit of an optimist towards history. And even though things uh, look grim <laughs> relatively frequently, especially I think right now there's, a, there's, I mean, just a lot of negativity around on the airwaves. 
and part of that is I think the 24 hour news cycle is selling ad space, right? And negative stories, dangerous stories, scary stories get a lot more, a lot more views than positive ones. So it is a bit of a money game. But that being said, there is undoubtedly injustice and, and peril in the world. I mean, even right now, something that happened in 2020, I was having a, a really lovely 2020 so far. It's only one month in, but really amazing. And then uh, I, I realized that, you know, all the news about, about us potentially going to war with Iran really bummed me out for a little bit. And I was like, well, this, you know, this really fucking sucks. Like war is, is, is horrible. And I mean, more often than not, I think wars are fought for, for money or power reasons that I, I think are unjustifiable ethically, but that's under my framework. But the point is I, I thought about it more and more and I was like, you know, like, I hate that this is happening, but I also kind of have to ask myself uh, how much of this is really under my control and should I let this get to me? I mean, as much as I can protest it and as much as I can voice my opinions, uh, the war machine will likely march on regardless of, of me, you know? And I mean, that's unfortunate, but it's also just one of the things that kind of maybe has to, uh, or not has to happen, but will happen. And all I can really, really control is, is my own life. Um, my own, my own existence, my own prosperity, my own productivity. And I kind of have to shut out a certain amount of noise. I'm a bit of a political junkie myself, and I, I love to obsess over politics, discuss them. But I realized a little bit, like maybe a couple of years ago, after getting really deep into politics and kind of letting it consume me, that it was really just bringing me down at the end of the day. So I had to start trying to find a balance between voicing my opinions and standing for things, but also not letting these things damage my life more than, more than uh, necessary, I suppose. So we got a little off topic there, but that, that subject about sort of the noise of reality sort of comes into this like general idea that the only thing we can really control is, is ourselves. A lot of things are outside of our control. And I think adopting that mindset can lead to a lot more happiness. But one of the things we very much can control is learning from our, our past failures and our past mistakes. And I think looking critically at things we've done in order to move forward in a more positive way. I'm of the opinion that if you're not growing and changing, you're likely doing something wrong. You're likely going backwards as a matter of fact. Which is why I think most people should be striving to improve their perspectives or improve aspects of themselves that they value. Uh, the old, the old uh, boomer, <laughs> to reference a popular meme, as the kids say. The old sort of like trademark boomer ideology that like, oh, that's just the way things are. That's just tradition. That's something that really pisses me off. Just because something has been done a lot over the course of history doesn't mean it needs to continue happening. And I think it's perfectly fine to completely get rid of a tradition if that tradition is, is ethically flawed for some reason. So the unwillingness to evolve uh, really gets my goat. And I understand that change can be scary for a lot of people. It's often said that human beings are quite terrified of change, but I don't feel like that's an excuse. I think if you let fear rule your life, you're likely going to get nowhere. And I believe 100% in sort of the, the onward marching of your own individual knowledge, much like the Hegelian dialectic marches onward throughout history bringing sort of this dialectical approach to your own life and your everyday being 
allows you to continue growing as a person and allows you to become, I would say, potentially your best self. Now, of course, like I don't know everything. I'm still very much a youngster figuring things out myself, but I've had a lot of success through like a lot of reflection, I'd say. When I say success, I don't necessarily mean fiscally. I just mean in, in personal development. For the first time in my life, a couple years ago, I started going to counseling and therapy, which was, I think, a really helpful mechanism for me starting to think more about my past and my life and addressing it in healthier ways, learning from it in healthier ways, and sort of, in a way, rewriting some of my, my mental tendencies that may have been causing me a lot of negativity and suffering at that point in time. So I would encourage that sort of dialectical approach for anyone that's looking to try something. And I, I don't want this to necessarily get like super deep into self-improvement here, but I was, uh, I just, I just think a lot about that. And perhaps other people would, would consider it a stretch to relate the Hegelian dialectic to this sort of personal development approach. But I think they sort of are, are fundamentally similar. So that is essentially the main topic for today. One of the things I want to work on, like as I develop this podcast, my own little <laughs> dialectic, is uh, eventually becoming better at, at talking long form about topics. And, and, you know, once I get guests, it'll be a little easier to, uh, to talk for longer. But since this is my very first episode, I'm just going to keep it short. I'm going to keep it sweet. And I can tell you that I'm always brainstorming, always writing down ideas because I want to make the best show I can possibly make here. But I'm sure it'll take me a while to get there. But it's all about the process. And I know I said a lot of buts there. And I'm sorry, but I like buts. It's too much. It's too much. Gimmick's dead. I just can't turn my gimmick switch off. But I'm going to put a little call to action in here. It's going to be that if you enjoyed this podcast whatsoever, if you have any criticisms, I'd love to hear them. Uh, you can email me at contact at majorgrunge.com. That's my business email, but I'm more than happy to receive stuff about the podcast, stuff about any of my, any of my content on there. I believe it's also going to be linked in the show notes. Uh, I'm also live on twitch.tv Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday at 6 p.m. I also write articles on Medium. I've just started doing that as well. It's a new skill I'm developing. I'll be writing an article that's essentially an accompaniment to this podcast. It's going to sort of go over some of the same things we talked about, perhaps a few extra insights, and I'll like release it a little after the podcast today. I have a job interview pretty soon, so I have to sort of strap down and research for that. But the Medium, uh, my Medium is, is Major Grunge. You can find it at uh, www.majorgrunge.com slash medium. And I'm also very active on Twitter, uh, majorgrunge.com slash Twitter. You can find me there. It'll redirect you to my Twitter page. The other place I'm quite active is Discord. Discord is a voice chat and text chat normally for gamers, but it's really just a handy app. So it's, it's worth, it's worth uh, looking into just for general communication reasons. But if you'd like to talk to me and hang out with the community, uh, majorgrunge.com slash Discord. You're probably noticing a common theme here, but I have all these links in the show notes as well. But I thought I'd just put a little call to action, you know, to keep it uh, professional and until then, I am signing off. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to me ramble on and on. And I hope you got some value out of this. Let me know what you think. Hugs and kisses. Much love to you from me, Major Grunge. Gorsh.